Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. This is Pastor Ed. He's on our staff, but he has this um, distinction of being a bivocational pastor. I do. I don't know how you do everything that you do. You amaze me that way. But um, I've asked Ed, if uh, before he shares this morning, if he could just tell us a little bit about what you do in your regular job. Sure. Yeah. And then also what you do kind of behind the scenes for a lot yeah. of folks here. Obviously, some people are aware of what you do, but we'd love to hear about yeah. um, how, where God has called you and what you've been up to. I'll be happy to. All right. So I am a um, respiratory therapist, have been for 40 years, I guess. Um, I work at a, at a, uh, a pulmonologist office, can't say that. I work at a pulmonologist office doing pulmonary function testing. Um, I work with people that have asthma, emphysema, chronic bronchitis, that kind of thing. I see what kind of shape their lungs are in and um, what we can do t- to help treat that. I also um, work with people with sleep apnea, um, and I help with the CPAP and do the sleep studies and all that kind of stuff. So that's my my Monday through Friday gig. Um, Weekends, you guys may have seen me occasionally bop out of here to answer the phone. I'm a volunteer police and fire chaplain. Um, So I'm on call usually every weekend. I'm actually on call now. I'm not going to leave until 1. I'm covered till then. So... um, so, what I do for them is um, we are our primary um, people that we minister to are the police and the fire um, department. And um, what, how they'll utilize us is for counseling for them. They're having trouble. They've been at a shooting. They've been at a death. They may want somebody to, to talk to. So um, we're there for them for that. They'll use us for um, if somebody has died. Um, we will go to the house and we will help minister to the family. We will also help minister to the, um, to the officers if they, if they need that. Um, we also cover, we also round at two different hospitals. We round at Alaska Regional. We also round at St. Um, St. Elias. And again, we're on call for them 24 hours a day, seven days a week for um, a death or a patient that needs to talk to a chaplain um, about the terminal diagnosis they've got. They just can't cope with being in the hospital. They may have family issues, whatever. We're there for them. So um, that's what I do Saturday and Sunday. Um, For here, what I do is I am the director of care ministries, is what my title is. What I do is I run a couple of different support groups, uh, grief share, uh, divorce care, which is actually run by Ed Carlson and, and his wife Sharon, and um, celebrate recovery. Uh, those are the three groups that we're hopefully we're going to we're going to start. We're going to not hopefully we are going to start again come um, fall, and uh, we're going to start a couple of other support groups that you'll hear about in the next couple of months. So that's kind of what I do for the church and um, as a as a pastor and as a chaplain. Today, we are talking about um, evangelism without additives. And we're going to be in chapter 7. And what we've talked about is, um, so far is relational evangelism. We're looking for the missing. 
because those that are missing can be found. And you want to go out and find the missing. And you can, you can relate to the missing by um, just talking to them, just being open. By talking about normal, everyday things, you can build that um, relationship. The other thing you want to do with, with, a, with a relationship is you want to listen more than you talk. And I've forgotten the, the last point. You all, that, nope, that was it. That was chapter 6. So we're in chapter 7. We're going to talk about do what you can do and then let God do the rest. In 2007, this church sent four people to the Oasis Training Center in Pingliang, China. I was fortunate enough to be one of those people to go. We were there for a month. We were teaching English to, any, to kids from four years old up through college. Now that was our stated purpose for the, um, to the state of China. China is communist, still is. They do not um, tolerate Christianity very well in, in that country. What we were told when we got to the training center was that our rooms were bugged and the school was bugged. So any room in there, um, we were not allowed to talk about Christianity, God, the Bible, anything like that in our rooms or in the school. But occasionally, God will make a way um, to be able to talk about him and his son and his word. A couple days, we'd been there for a couple days, and we, we were downtown in the town square, and we were advertising the school. And we were there for a couple hours, signed up a bunch of people, and I ended up walking back with a teenage girl, a high school girl named Chili. And Chili and I are, are walking back, and she said, well, you know, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a respiratory therapist. That's my job, Monday through Friday. She said, well, what do you do weekends? I said, well, I'm studying for my bachelor's degree, and what I do on weekends is um, Saturday I do yard work, whatever needs to do around the house, I study, and then Sundays I go to church. I said, well, that's interesting. Do you believe in God? I said, yes, I do. She asked me a couple questions about God. As we're walking, she starts asking questions about Jesus and the Bible. And we kind of, we got back to the school. She went to her apartment. I went back to my apartment. I kind of left it at that. We'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll hear the rest of Chili's story here shortly. All right. We are in, we are going to be in today the book of Jonah. Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. You guys all know the story of Jonah, but for those of you that don't, let me try and give you a quick summary. God told Jonah to go east toward um, Nineveh. Jonah said, nope, I'm going west. I'm going toward uh, Tarshish. Took a boat, got out to the middle of the sea, storm, he got thrown overboard, ended up in the belly of a fish for three days. He ended that uh, with some fervent prayer. And then the, the, the fish spit him out. God said again to Jonah, you're going to Nineveh. Jonah said, okay, I gotcha, I'm going. So, this is where at um, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Jonah is walking through Nineveh. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So let me tell you a little bit about Nineveh. 
Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians um, were the most feared and hated group, the most violent group in the Old Testament. The Assyrians made ISIS look like children. Assyria, ISIS had nothing on Assyria at all. These guys were vicious, they were violent, they were an enemy of Israel. So Jonah is walking through this city. So let's break down these verses a little bit. Jonah began, he began by going a day's journey into the city. He did what he could, he took that first step, he went in, he went in a day. It was a three-day journey to get through the city, is what scholars tell us, archaeologists tell us. So he began, he went in as far as he could. Then what did he do? He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He said eight words. He did what he could do. Jonah's probably a little bit nervous right now. I would be. I'm sure you would be. You know, he's probably thinking as he's going, he's walking in, he's going to do his day's journey. He's probably thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Well, God told him, told him what to say. I'd be in that same boat. If I'm walking through Nineveh, and this is my enemies, I'm thinking, well, what is God, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Well, if you wouldn't mind, turn with me to Luke 12. Eleven and twelve. So if you're worried about what you're going to say, this is what Jesus says. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So don't worry about what, what to say or what to do. God will be there. God will guide us just as he did, just as he did Jonah. All right, let's continue on through, through the verses. So Jonah began his journey. He was a day into the city. He said, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It's a city of 120,000 people. What did the Ninevites do? They believed God. This is only something God could do. One guy goes in, says eight words, and 120,000 people believe in what God, they believe in God. What did they do? They proclaimed a fast. And how many repented? All of them. From the greatest to the least. What did they do? They put on sackcloth. Sackcloth is, was made out of black goat's hair, kind of like burlap. Very rough. They use it for sacks, for grain, or whatever. But what they did back then in the Old Testament times was a sign of, of repentance and mourning was they would put on, on sackcloth and everybody did, from the greatest to the least. And if we read, if we go down one more verse, it got all the, all the way up to the king, and he declared a fast and, and mourning. So, Jonah went where God led. Jonah went to, to um, Nineveh. Took him a while, reluctantly he went, but he went. He did what he could do. And then he let God do the rest. And those are the, our three points of our sermon. God 
led Jonah, just as he will lead us, to where we need to go. Three guys in the Old Testament, there's others, these are the three I picked. Moses, Abraham, and Noah. They went where God led. They did what they could do. Abraham picked up and went that way, which is where God told him to go. Didn't tell him where he was going, just said, go that way. So he did. Noah built a boat. He did what he could. Moses talked to Pharaoh about some relatives of his. So they followed where God led them or where God put them. They did what they could do. And then they let God work. They let God do what only he could do. Abraham was the father of the Israelite nation. Moses had a front row seat to the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. Noah watched the earth flood and waited a year in the boat for God to, to let the waters come back down. So these three men, plus Jonah, showed, shows that their example shows us the same thing we can do to be used by God, to be missionaries by God. We go where God leads us. We let him do, we do what we can do, and we let God do what only he can do. There's a quote, if I could get that on the screen, by a theologian named Millard Erickson. <clears throat> what he says, if the church is to be faithful to its Lord and bring joy to his heart, it must be engaged in bringing the gospel to all people. This includes people we may not be drawn to. This extends also to those who are unlike us. It, it goes beyond our immediate sphere of contact and influence. In a real sense, in a very real sense, local evangelism, church extension or church planting, and world missions are all the same thing. The only difference is the length of the radius. Just as he did with Jonah, God may take us out of our, out of our comfort zone. You may be with somebody that you don't really like, maybe a coworker. Maybe a neighbor, maybe just somebody you met at the store. But you're, 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 you were led by God, and God will guide you. God will show each of us what we're supposed to do. And then all we have to do is let God do what only He can do. To finish this story about Chile, a couple weeks later, she um, went and talked to Grace. Grace was one of the full-time teachers at the school. Grace held a Bible study every, every week. The Bible study was held outdoors. Chili wanted a Bible. Grace happened to have a ton of Bibles. Hidden away, but she had a ton of Bibles. And um, she gave Chili one. Chili read it, decided she wanted to start coming to the Bible study. So she did. Grace was happy to have her. Short time later, Chile became a Christian. So, you do, you follow where God leads, you, you do what you can do, and you let God do the rest.
So we've been talking about relational evangelism. I've got some scenarios that will hopefully kind of spur you to go where God, where God leads. Evangelism is holding a woman while she talks on her cell phone to her husband's doctor and learns there are, they have exhausted all medical resources. Evangelism, evangelism is listening to an elderly friend tell stories about the best parts of their life. Evangelism is inviting someone to cry in your arms. Evangelism is praying for someone who cannot pray for themselves. Evangelism is just listening to someone who just needs someone to listen. Evangelism is being with people in good times and bad. Evangelism is reminding someone that they are loved. Evangelism is journeying, journeying alongside all who come through the doors of this church. Evangelism is as simple as bringing a meal to your next door neighbor when they are ill. So last slide, please. My working definition of evangelism. Evangelism is doing what you can do and then let God take over from there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Help us to be open to where you lead us. To let you guide us as we do what we can do. Father, just help us to rely on you because we know that you will be there for us. You will tell us what to say. You will show us what to do at the appropriate time in the appropriate way. And then, Father, help us just to figuratively step back and let you do what only you can do. Father, thank you for Jonah's example of this, of his reluctant obedience, but yet following where you wanted him to go, doing what you wanted him to do, and then watching you work. Father, we thank you when we love you. In your son's name, amen.